Good people and fellow students, welcome to another episode of All That Yes, a space for performance, craft, and showbiz, where news and reviews will be flowing for music, film, content, and all that yes. So... Welcome to part two of our All That Yaz November special, the final one of 2023. In our first half of this special, we played some amazing exclusives that we'll be dropping later this year from artists like Pewell and Silas Africa, so you can go and get an early listen to that music if you missed that episode. I also got a bit into the rise of local music documentaries that I've been enjoying from the Kalawa Jasmine story and Muzi's The Odyssey of the Zulu Walker to South Africa's official entry into this year's Oscars with Music Is My Life. A documentary that focuses on the life of Ladysmith Black Mambazo's founder, Dr. Shabalala. From a programming perspective, part two will be focusing more on fiction as we look at some of the interesting things coming from the film, television, and animation space. With upcoming shows that will be coming between this week and early December, so this is really an episode that you can keep coming back to to remind yourself of the hot things coming your way this side of the summer. But before we get to those shows and our remaining four music exclusives, it seems that we have a bit of a detour as Namakao star has come through to tell us a bit about life on Pluto. This is her latest project in collaboration with a German band called The Planetoids. So if you're a fan of some interplanetary pop music, buckle up, because we're about to get moving. What has life been like on Pluto with The Planetoids? Life on Pluto with the planetoids has been interesting. It's been disarming. Never saw myself in the pop world this intensely. Pluto is a perfect world. It's it's the planet of transformation. Hi, my name is Namakau Star, your favorite alternative R&B, hip hop, and pop artist. Yes, all three, and you are listening to all that yes. Ooh. So there was a tweet which you had said the whole point of an era is to reimagine yourself and make it come and manifest through action. So I just wanted to know what change are you trying to manifest and reimagine within this era? I am definitely reimagining a more fun time in life, a light-hearted energy, something that I really want to tap into as a painter, you know, in space and time. So with life on Pluto, Yeah, I want to have fun. I want to play with color. I want to play with intensity alongside nostalgia, which still applies because I learned so much from the people that come before me. But more than anything, this is a pop era for me. And when did you enter this world in terms of when did you actually start working on this project? I started working on Life on Pluto when I was on tour in Germany this year. The backstory to the collaboration with the Planetoids is they listened to Floating on the Landing EP, which they liked so much, and they asked if I could be on their album, Aerodynamics of a Cow. And that was our first song together. It was Make Up Your Mind. And we didn't even know that we were going to link up, but we always say, yo, when you come to Germany, you should make music somehow the opportunity for me to travel came about. I actually met them for the first time in Hamburg and we decided to make music and that is where life on Pluto began. So you mean to tell me 
what attracted the planetoids to the star was a song called Floating to take us to the life on Pluto. Yep. <laughs> what is within this era, what do you what do you want people to take most from being within Pluto? What I would love people to take away from Pluto is, you know, the freedom that it's meant to give, the light-hearted energy. I would love it to be a, a mantra to people's summers and life in general. The project is coded in a lot of affirmations, not just with the music, but with the writing itself. So I would love people to feel young on Pluto, to feel open, to feel expansive when they listen to the music, maybe to even feel uncomfortable and question what the music makes them feel. But yeah, I want Pluto to, to definitely change people in the best way possible. Do you have, if not a favorite song, a favorite moment? It could even be be like a bridge, because I don't know, in changes, every time, feeling the heat, feeling the pressure, pressure. <laughs> feeling yes. the feet, feeling together, I imagine you look like, like a right? day. <laughs> I'm just, my, 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 my inner child, and I, I think, um, I think people calls it her inner white girl comes out at that moment, you know, mm -hmm. and you're there, you're, you're, yes. you're there jumping with no, with no reason. So do you have a favorite moment or a favorite song that you, that just every time it's coming, you're like, Ooh, changes is special. I mean, I was rehearsing the song yesterday and you know, the lightheartedness of it. And yes, the inner white girl, the bounce of the guitar is, is very special. It's one of my favorite moments on life on Pluto because it was the last song made on the project and I produced the bulk of that song. If I could send you the first version, it's actually a lot slower, a lot anthem and sent it over to the planetoids and they reimagined it. And they also really did so well on the engineering of the vocals, like shout out to them. They really have their take in order, but it was, yeah, that's one of my favorite songs. But my favorite song on the project is For Two Gone. Fortigan is, I feel like, a masterpiece. It's it's a journey, even the movement of the way the song is designed and the adventure of the song is, is so beautiful. And I think, you know, we really bust down communicating what an adventure in a song could sound like. And, and that's why I love that song so much. I think I did tell you that Fortigan is my favorite song <laughs> of, of the project. So... Right yeah, now, yeah. what you're listening to, what you might be listening to is the instrumental of Changes. So before we change moods, here's the final word from Namaka Star. Y'all, thank you so much for having me on this platform. You know, it's me, your favorite alternative R&B hip hop and pop artist. And before we leave and sign out, I hope you take a deep breath. But most importantly, I hope you follow me on all channels. Make sure you do that. Spotify, Instagram, TikTok. Subscribe to my YouTube. There's something for everybody. And if you don't know yet, it is Namakau Star. N-A-M-A-K-A-U dot star. And we are signing out. Thank you all that yes. Love you. Thank you. Feeling the heat. Feeling the pressure. Feeling the pressure. Under my feet, under the weather, everything's changing up so fast. Changing.
So fast, so fast. That was Namakau Star telling us about life on Pluto. And now I think it's time we dive from one world to another as we jump into the fascinating imagination of animation. The African animation space has really been having a growing momentum that has been so exciting to watch. I think one of the biggest success stories during lockdown was when Loazim Sipa created a show for Cartoon Network called My Cartoon Friend. This show was a mixture of both live action and animation as the show was centered around Msipa and his cartoon friend named Timber. My cartoon friend was exciting to see exist because we got to see this young black man breaking new ground for a new generation of animators on cable television. And now that same creator, Loazim Sipa, is currently studying his masters in animation in France as we speak. So let's now focus on some of the highlights from this year. We've had the anthology, uh, we've had the anthology of stories on Kizazi Moto. South African animators co-directed the final short film, Awu Song, in the second volume of the Star Wars Vision anthology series, where they reimagine a far-off land that has a lot of distinctly South African textures in the landscapes and how certain things look. Now, I am in no ways an avid nor casual fan of Star Wars. It's just something that I've never properly gotten into. But the film itself was so wholesome with its stop-motion animation and how cute Owl was. I had watched a couple of the anthologies when I heard that there were South African animators on it, just so I could contrast and compare, and it was honestly my favorite of the bunch. Um, keeping in short form, South African animators are currently even up for international Emmys this year, as Triggerfish competes in the Best Kids Animation category for the Smids and the Smooths, a category with which they won in 2020 for another animation short called Zog. Both of these animations are adaptations from popular British children's book author Julia Donaldson that form a part of a wider series of animations based on her work that Triggerfish has done for the BBC and have even won a BAFTA for with The Snail and The Whale. All of these animations are available to watch on Showmax. They're really cute and aimed at kids and they really showcase some of the work that South African animators are doing for international audiences. When I'm telling you that this is an exciting time for animation within the continent, Things are happening. So walk with me as I introduce you to the next landmark event happening within African animation, Showmax's first original animated series called Twende that premieres across Africa on December 4th. Let's go. Ay, 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 I overslept. I'm late for my 11 o'clock nap. Twende, wake up. Bring your border border drivers for the day. I need a lift. <laughs> The son and daughter I never had. Your children are literally gnawing on you. Stacked with an all-Kenyan cast of voice actors and an animation crew that's worked on Super Strikers, Kizazi Moto, and Super Team 4, Twende is genuinely my highlight of things I've watched within African animation. It is so funny. The concept is very simple. We're in an animation world where characters are, where animals are characters and the story is centered around Twende, the Boda Boda Pangolin. Twende is a Swahili call out for Let's Go. So in a South African context, you think of it in the same way as you would say or use Ariyeng, Osvaya, Masambi. Because this is a show that is on the go. In this world, Twende is a Boda Boda driver. Boda Boda are those special bikes you see people use as taxis in East Africa as well as a delivery vehicle. So each episode finds Twende and his best friend Nuru going on different adventures as they take on a new job. Very simple concept. Now, the problem with Twende is that he is very excitable and loves to help, even when he shouldn't, which is a recipe for disaster. For example, in one episode, he's been tasked to deliver pizzas for a very important party, 
when the pizza chef, pizza chef, pizza maker, I don't know if there's a specific term for it, but you guys get what I mean. That that guy um has decided that he's quitting. He's no longer making pizzas anymore. So Twenty takes it upon himself to then make those pizzas for this party and mayhem ensues from there. This show is silly. It is an animation sitcom that comes out with jokes from all sides, has really entertaining sequences, and is just fun to watch. It's that type of cartoon that had this been out when I was a kid or a young adolescent, I would probably be spending a good time I'd probably be spending a good time binging this show during the weekends and on holidays. It's the type of fun that I'm really happy to see that we're making more of within the broadcast and paid streaming space. Plus, on a purely personal level, I am geeking about the fact that I get to talk about a Kenyan-centered cartoon. It's not often enough for me where I get to speak about both sides of my heritage in the same podcast. Plus, this show itself is a heavy collaboration between East and Southern Africa when you look at the cast and the crew and everything as an amalgamation put together. So, if you like cartoons, I would definitely implore you to look out for Twende coming out on Showmax this December from the 4th. Now, keeping with upcoming previews and Showmax, this week, Wednesday, Showmax spins around the block to deliver their newest original drama series, which is For My Money and Time, probably the best drama series they have done thus far, and if not best, it is the one that has gripped me the most. I am talking about a show called Spinners. Time to get up, boy. This is the one with the V12 engine. Happy birthday, boy. Remember, Samantha's picking up today, no? What's this? I thank you. You might be thinking of me coming back for my birthday. Go on. You don't want to be late to school. But you look like everybody else around me. What I like about you, I'll always take care of you. Just like I've done since the very first time you came to me. Listen, the pilot episode of Spinners is an act of tension that had my heart beating out of my chest, sinking to the floor and praying from release from the amount of suspense and drama the episode manages to take you through. I was acting a damn fool, y'all. This show has me. And what I'm going to do is give you a basic premise of the world without trying to give any major spoilers. So, Spinners is centered around a 17-year-old teenage boy named Ethan who lives within a Cape Flats. One thing that the show takes great care in impressing upon us very early in the show is that Ethan is a caring soul with a conscience. The way we meet him in the story's chronological order is, is on an ordinary morning. He's just woken up and somehow a pigeon has gotten itself stuck in his bedroom and can't find its way out. And good old Ethan is able to gently get hold of the bird and set it free. Then we see Ethan lovingly wake up his little brother who's about 8 years old and make him some breakfast before they go to school. Then we find out that it's Byron's birthday as Ethan surprises Byron with a birthday gift as he wishes him a happy birthday. This is a good, caring, big brother. But Ethan's problems are many. The first being that he's not just Byron's big brother. He's the man of the house. We have no idea where his mother is and his father sadly passed away some time ago. So the financial burden of utility, survival, and his brother's upkeep rests on Ethan's young shoulders and the electricity has just gone cut. So how does this school-going teenager make ends meet? By living a double life. Because whilst he's this really caring brother... He also happens to be one of the best drivers on his side of the Cape, and those talents are being used as a getaway driver for one of the local gangs. Ethan's problems are many, but to me, one of his main ones is that he is a kid who is genuinely out of his depth in a world where he has little control. 
He's always in a vulnerable position, whether it be through his age, naivety, or financial circumstance, and he tries to make the best out of a bad situation, but one of those situations turns catastrophic, and somehow within this mayhem, he gets introduced to the world of spinning as a money-making sport, and we follow that journey into that world while still having to live in the absolutely chaotic world he comes from as things just get deeper and darker and just way way more reckless the character of ethan is incredibly complex and cantona james brings him to life with great nuance in his astoundingly layered performance the cast of spinners is fantastic dylan vinfogel is my favorite part of blood and water as wade and he's also a favorite for me in this as well as he brings great warmth and dimension into ethan's world I love the pairing of these two in the first few episodes. The spinning sequences are enthralling and it's just a gripping drama that I'm enjoying seeing unfold and cannot recommend enough. My caveat would be that this is not family friendly and brings you into some really graphic violence. But if those are your kind of things, then I would definitely recommend giving spinners a spin. Our next All That Yaz episode is with the show's lead Cantona James as we get into his acting journey, spinners, and what he did to prepare for the role. So if you want more spinners content, there's that to look forward to. But for now, I think it's time we get a little festive, you know? Loosen up a bit and get lost in the road. Our next exclusive is already a contender for my song of the summer. This song has been on repeat not just since I got sent the record. But since I first saw Imani Basquiat perform this months ago, bringing the funk with groove theory, I need you both to get lost in the groove. Hey, said you lost in the groove. Basquiat is one bad mamma jamma, a disrespectful jam wrangler. When I tell you that my spirit was shifted the first time I heard this record, I was offended because he had no right. Basquiat and Baitu had no right to tell me that it doesn't matter what I'm doing when this song plays, it doesn't matter what my plans were, I am going to get lost in the groove and act stupid. That is a sinister thing to do to a human being and I am so thankful because this song is it. It's nasty, funky, flirty, a vibe and is overflowing with attitude. 
Groove Theory is an instant favorite that has not lost its luster on me, even though I have abused the repeat button on it quite abusively. Funk music is generally one of my favorite genres of all time and I am always ecstatic to hear updated versions of it. Groove Theory is for groove, the bassline is undeniable, the energy ungovernable, the hooks unkind with how catchy they are and you can tell all the parties involved were having the time of their lives trying to capture this feeling. Groove Theory comes out November 24th and I can't wait so that I can put this amongst my playlist. I'm just happy Imani let me preview this one because this is just for me. I don't even care if you rock with this one because I've died over it already. It's one of my songs of the year and one of my songs of the summer. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Groove Theory by Imani Basquiat. It is what it is. Okay, let me calm down just a little bit, but whilst we're still in the groove, I just want to acknowledge some of the other jams I've been vibing to lately and artists that I think are doing some really good work. Starting with Una Rams, I'm not sure if it's because he's a Grammy winner now or if he's got award-winning budget, but I have been thoroughly enjoying Una Rams' latest rollout. It's one of my favorite of the year from the extravagant photo sets to him just creating his own blaxploitation themed late night type of TV show to promote this project with the lovers and friends things. Una Rams is having fun with this rollout and is being very clear about the energy he wants us to come into it with and I really love that. I've really been enjoying his collab with Tron Pyre. Every time these two have shared a song it's been a vibe and for me my baby, my baby is no different. Archie's latest song Amy has me in a vice grip from the production to the general flow. It's my first time hearing of Cholo Isaiah, I hope I'm saying that right, and that man runs away with how smooth his verse is. I'm not sure what you're apologizing for, I mean I do, but I'm gonna need you guys to keep apologizing if it means we're gonna get more breezy bangers like this. Maya gave us a bedroom yearner with Burn For You that is peak and traditional baby making R&B that they go to town on and how they build towards a climax that for some strange reason keeps reminding me of Beyonce Speechless. I think it's a top note she hits and how she does it that seals it for me but I'm burning with you baby I'm burning. In keeping with the Beyonce reference my final shout out is to Amo Moses for Mojolo Que Masepa Fela. I'm going to need someone to check in on the brother because the things one has to go through to name their song that and follow through with it says a lot, but the song is a vibe. It's really fun to sing along to and I like how he incorporates the paranoia and untrustingness of Destiny's Child, say my name, say my name, into the track. So yeah, you can go check out those songs if you're looking for something new, but now we're starting to wind down with our final upcoming film preview. The next pick for me is a perfectly timed film for the holidays with how wholesome its general messaging is and the way it sweeps you into its orbit. I'm talking about Yellowbone Entertainment's latest offering with the Queenstown Kings. Queenstown Kings from Ezebelen. That's in the Eastern Cape. Talk about the odds being stacked against you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
I'm going to try and keep this one brief. The Queenstown Kings is a really spirited underdog sports film that is centered around a father and son story led by Zolisa Kaluva and Likona Mgali. Kaluva plays a beloved second generation soccer star who has fallen from grace as he gets aged out of the sport. On the day we meet him, his father, a soccer legend, has just passed away and Kaluva's character goes on a bender on the way to his father's funeral and never makes it because he gets arrested. Now, his relationship with his son is, is not the greatest and has continuously deteriorated due to his reckless antics. So this bender that finds Kaluva unable to attend his own father's funeral is a straw that breaks the camel's back and Ngali essentially disowns him. Now it's important to note that Ngali is also a budding soccer player in his own right and plays for his local club called the Queenstown Kings. A club his father has shown very little interest in at this point in time. But when Kaluva is threatened with jail time for his reckless behavior, he makes a plea that he can use his celebrity for good and to help uplift the community by volunteering to help the Queenstown Kings. And the judge agrees. Now, Kaluva doesn't know how much his son hates him and quickly comes to find this out as soon as he starts involving himself within the Queenstown Kings. And the journey is really in him trying to restore the relationship and us seeing if, he, if he's actually able to keep this promise and do this thing that he says that he's going to do in helping the Queenstown Kings get to compete at the Ned Bank Cup. In terms of pace, this is handily Yellowbone Entertainment's breeziest film in terms of tone and energy. It is very light but also very particular in its handling and what role father figures and male role models have on young men, both good and bad when it comes to their presence and the lack of presence. One of my favorite things about it is how much humor it packs into its story and really more of the restorative tone that runs throughout the film in a way that kind of differs from a lot of their earlier works. Queenstown King is really entertaining. It has a lot of sweeping sequences that endear to the community of Queenstown and its team of characters. The cast shows up. The world is fun and really buys into the magic of rooting for an underdog story. My main beef, and I cannot wait to discuss this with you guys once this film has dropped, is the ending. There are a lot of cruel things that one can do to their audience in filmmaking, and where that film chose to end its story is one of them. There were audible gasps in the cinema when it happened. It's been a week since I watched the film and I'm still incensed, and no, I'll not provide context because that would be a spoiler. Is a transgression deep in the grand scheme of things or in the worst things that can happen in a feel-good film? No, not at all. Some might actually argue that it's not a transgression, but I'm a dramatic person and I feel slighted, so I'm using this space to vent on this very, very specific thing because Yellowbone Entertainment knows what they did. They know what they did, and they did it intentionally. With that said, The Queenstown King is a really enjoyable film that has some of my favorite sequences I've seen on screen this year. The whole ensemble delivers, but the highlights of highlights for me really was the chemistry and the tension between Unati Faku and Zolisa Kaluva. Their scenes were sensational, and Likonam Gali really acts as a really good anchor in terms of what the film's story is meant to be. The Queenstown Kings is hearty in its humor and will be on Netflix from November 17th, so definitely go and check that one out if what I've said has piqued your interest. But also, I just need more people to vent about the ending, because what villainy? Pure pure villainy and now in closing we have the world premiere the first extended preview of my debut song called don't look back <laughs> there's really no looking back so here it is I just wanna away, away. we should put ourselves on the internet we can do that people would love that I it's just a thing now.
feel you want me And I want you And resting with this tension I just want the truth I need affection And so do you Let's just get away What do we have to lose? When will we ever stop? I don't know oh, Won't look back Eyes on the sun On you Produced by Physique and with added instrumentation by Nami. My debut song, Don't Look Back, fully comes out this weekend, November 10th. The pre-save link is on all of my social media if you are so compelled and you find the song interesting. Let me know how you feel. Um, also, if you do follow me on social media, you'll be seeing that I'll be dropping bits of conversation about the makings of not just the song but the upcoming songs and I really hope you've enjoyed this. I hope you enjoyed also the full All That Yaz special because this has been the final one of the year. Yeah, thank you guys so much for listening if you've gotten this far. This has been the All That Yaz special roundup and this is my debut song, Don't Look Back, by Jakes, out November 10th.